Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. Due to work being done in my home this week, uh, my this week's podcast was recorded in several different rooms uh, under less than optimal circumstances. So if you think that there was a drop in audio quality, you are not mistaken, and I apologize for that, and hope that sound quality will return to normal next week. Good evening. It's Monday, September 11th, 2023. One of those dates where everyone remembers where they were when they heard about the World Trade Center attack. I remember on that day coming out of a meeting, it was a staff training. It was in a uh, room that not only was effectively soundproof, but it was also insulated from any internet connections. And coming out and the receptionist in the building where the where the training was taking place told us the World Trade Center had been attacked and there was no World Trade Center. I couldn't even grasp that. It was just so massive a statement that uh, uh, I asked her to repeat herself and yeah there was an attack on the World Trade Center and um, I went outside and there were no subways there were no buses Uh, eventually I ended up uh, getting a uh, car service home Everywhere I went, there was a stunned silence. And uh, I remember the Friday night after the World Trade Center attack, again there was that uh, strange quiet. There was also a sense of unity, a sense of uh, cooperation. There was a unifying aspect that uh, people felt that the nation had been attacked and a lot of divisions between uh, different ethnic groups, different communities just kind of melted away for a good while. That was particularly noticeable in New York City because in any area of New York City that I have lived or worked in, it's always a patchwork quilt, a mosaic of different languages, religions, uh, ethnicities, races. And sometimes these these moments when you're... Uh, facing a common common threat brings people together it doesn't have to be a uh, 
a massive calamity like the World Trade Center bombing, it can be uh, sitting in a waiting room in a children's hospital and you have people of different races and religions and uh, languages and they're all there because their child is facing something serious enough that they that they need to be operated on or they need to be in the hospital and that really that really brings people together because people people empath, empathize with uh, universal themes loving your children wanting your children to live and to enjoy life to the fullest I remember one time I was in a um, hospital waiting room and there was a uh, chaplain there, a Muslim chaplain. I had just discovered in the prior three months that I had uh, diabetes and I was getting used to checking my sugar, insulin, uh, restricting my diet, etc. And along with the illness that brought us into the same space, this was uh, visiting a uh, relative, uh, he made it clear that his his position, his political opinions about Israel were very anti-Israel. Uh, he would not even say the name of uh, Israel. Uh, but he was a caring chaplain and we happened to be both diabetic and we were comparing notes about how we coped with the same illness that uh, we both had and uh, it was like we were talking about a common foe we were on the same side of uh, the same side of the fence and I enjoyed those moments uh, for myself, I was, uh, he had a really nice personality despite the chasm in our political opinions. And I enjoyed the moment. The Muslim chaplain in that place also happened to be good friends with the Jewish chaplain. And when you're at the side of a loved one who's struggling to stay alive, struggling to come back from a um, challenging illness, all the differences melt away. And even though you don't want to be in that place uh, facing that threat, uh, it gives you an insight that lingers after the crisis has passed. In a slight but not complete change of subject, YouTube feeds me not only uh, ads, um, but it also gives me suggestions for what I might want to view. Sometimes they are spot on to a point that it's almost eerie, and other times their suggestions can be laughably unsuitable. Like, uh, I've been married a few decades and there were the YouTube 
thought that I might want to date beautiful Albanian women, which, you know, uh, hey, uh, I, I'm married and would like to stay that way, but thank you. I guess I listened to a lot of Albanian music that day. That was, so it wasn't, wasn't, the, it's a suggestion wasn't totally out of, uh, thin air. Uh, they also put in my feed a video about the lynching of Robert Prager on April 5th, 1918. Robert Prager was a German immigrant, and he probably had a uh, trace of an accent. Uh, his He was suspected of socialistic sympathies. A lot of uh, immigrants at that time did. A lot of people who were attracted to the United States from the 19th century onward were abolitionists. A lot of them were leaving countries that had been monarchies, that were monarchies. And they liked America's uh, attitude that whatever you can achieve that you're the class you were born into was not necessarily the class you had to stay in but uh, Robert Prager lived in Missouri uh, he tried to get a job in a coal mine which was very good money but uh, he was blackballed from the job people didn't trust him because of his uh, German ethnicity, they didn't trust him because they suspected him of being a socialist. Uh, he wrote a letter appealing the decision of the uh, Union to reject him. And to make a long story short, he ended up uh, being uh, hunted down and lynched, hung from a tree. Twelve people were put on trial for his uh, uh, murder. They caught the people. The people made incriminating statements at the time they were caught. And the jury deliberated less than 10 minutes before letting uh, 11 of them go. The 12th one was, I guess, had, had managed to avoid being arrested. He eventually was, I guess they dropped the charges against him. Ten minutes of deliberation and they decided that, uh, well, uh, better be safe than sorry. Better lynch a hundred innocent men than let one guilty man go free. And that's the scary thing about a jury system is you can get a situation where no matter how obvious it is that a person committed a crime that whatever the spirit of the times is justifies what was done to that person in the case of uh, there was Robert Prager who was the wrong the wrong nationality the wrong language it was okay because, uh, you know, he was a German in World War One.
and there was a lot of hysteria. The official name of the uh, English, the British royal family was Saxe-Coburg. Uh, then during World War One, when you couldn't have any, uh, you ha you couldn't have any thought that the British royal family was uh, German. They switched the name of the family to Windsor. I remember at one time there was uh, tension between the United States and France. This was, I think, it was early in the 21st century. It was. Uh, maybe even before 2011, but I remember they wanted to change the name of French fries to Freedom Fries because you can't have anything French. You have to expunge that from the popular lexicon. And by the way, in France, they're pommes frites, uh, which just really means fried potatoes. And uh, they don't, if you look at them and you ask for french fries, they're going to look at you like you're a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. And the sad thing is, history tends to be circular. Uh, we get over something and then we're back into it. We tend to make the same mistakes over and over again in different forms. I understand that uh, we're not on the best, the United States is not on the best terms with Russia. And uh, when I speak with Russian people who say that they feel self-conscious about um, speaking the language in public, uh, teaching their children to speak it in some instances, uh, that seems really, really foolish. If you look at any prior wave of immigration from countries that the United States has had a beef with, you'll find that a lot of the people who come to the United States uh, don't like what's going on in their home country. The most obvious example is uh, Cubans who came to America are predominantly very anti-communist, very anti-Fidel Castro. Uh, a lot of uh, Russian-speaking immigrants are not okay with, for instance, the invasion of Ukraine. A significant number of them, of, of Russian immigrants, uh, were against the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, which the communists came to power. Uh, I remember I used to, when I used to get my motorcycle fixed, back in the days when I had a motorcycle, I used to go by a Russian Orthodox church. And the church was, I think they called it the Church of the Holy Martyrs or something. And it was dedicated to the memory of the uh, Russian foil, royal family that had been murdered by the communists, uh, gathered up into a room and, uh, you know, gunned down. Because in addition to being a family, they were also a symbol of the old order and a rallying cry. 
and the communists were afraid that if they remained alive that people's hopes of a restoration of the Russian monarchy would remain alive as well. And of course the replacement of the czarist regime with the uh, communist regime created a lot more problems than it solved. Uh, it, however many people the czars may have exiled and killed, the communists did it on a on an industrial scale. And ultimately, for any system to work, whether it's a monarchy, whether it's a socialistically oriented government, or whether it's a republic such as in the United States or some of the examples that you have in Europe. What is going to make any system of government work is by having people who work on themselves, on being better people, better human beings. Taking that change up from the individual level to the family and then to the community. Because as soon as you design a system of government, people will find ways to game the system and get what they want at the expense of other people. Now, the anniversary of the 9-11 uh, World Trade Center attacks always comes in the, almost always comes in the run-up weeks to uh the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Now, what's, what is the purpose of commemorating an event like the World Trade Center attack, like World War II, like the, say, the Cambodian genocide in 1975? It seems to me that the reason one should be com constantly commemorating events in history is because we face the same challenges in new forms. With the civil rights movement, for instance, we took on institutionalized racism, statutory segregation, uh, gentlemen's agreement, segregation, etc., and now we're back in the, uh, we're, we're facing the desire to segregate people, to uh, judge people according to different standards based on uh, their race, based upon their uh, ethnicity or whatever. We run the risk of descending into chaos because we decide that uh, it's okay to break laws for a good cause. If one claims to be anti-fascist, it's okay to uh, break the windows of somebody's store and loot it. But if somebody who decides to, to label you as a fascist and you're uh, protesting, say, let's say, a uh, what you believe to be a questionable election, then... You can get all kinds of draconian sentences imposed on you.
if you compare the sentences that were imposed on the January 6th demonstrators to the sentences that were imposed on the uh, BLM anti Antifa rioters, there's just no comparison. So I find as I look at my own life, I look at mistakes I've made in the past, even, even if it's, even if it's a mistake that I have repaired, uh, moved on, challenges present themselves in new ways. And sometimes referring to my past experiences moving forward is a helpful thing to do. So in a sense, the way I treat our history as a nation with my history as an individual, that there are enough parallels that uh, I, I find that the lessons of history, our history as a nation are, uh, and studying that are useful in studying my personal history, the personal path of my life during the uh, season of repentance, the month before the Jewish New Year and the Jewish New Year leading up to Yom Kippur. So I want to thank you for my my listeners for uh, hearing me out yet another week. And uh, I really want to thank uh, YouTube for telling me about Robert Prager, the uh, German immigrant in World War One, who uh, was lynched because he had a funny accent and people figured better be safe than sorry. Uh, the law is only as good as our willingness to uphold it. The law is a promise and a law not enforced is a promise broken. So not only should the Almighty look after us, we should look up after our, look after ourselves and, uh, you know, take care, take care of the, uh, system we, system of uh, values we have that can protect us if we will only use it. You have a good rest of the week. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com. Thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous and closely resembles adios in Spanish.